0: In this episode of the Foot School Podcast, we hear from Morgan Jones and Stacey Wisniewski, substance abuse educators with FCD Prevention Works. FCD spent last week at Foot School working with students in grades 5, 7, and 9, sharing information and answering questions to encourage responsible decision-making around the use of drugs and alcohol. They spoke to parents on Wednesday, January 9th, in the Sturley Room.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, so, uh, hi everyone. Uh, thank you for coming. Uh, My name is Stacy Wisniewski, this is my colleague Morgan Jones. Uh, We are with the 5th, 7th and ninth graders this year Um, and uh, we're just going to give just a brief overview of who FCD is, what we're talking about in the classroom, what we're hearing about from the kids this year, some of the topics we're covering. Um, Has anyone here been to an FCD presentation before? Last year. Last year?
1: Okay, excellent, great, yeah. all right.
0: Yeah, we do it once a year, yeah. yeah. Okay, great, awesome. So uh, if you have any questions, feel free to ask in between, especially as this is a smaller group. Um, it's really conducive to having conversations. So if you came in with any questions, feel free to interrupt us. We, we love answering questions. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, without further ado, we are FCD Prevention Works. We started over 40 years ago by a man in long-term healthy recovery from addiction. And so a core part of our program is that every single person who works for FC Prevention Works is in long-term healthy recovery from addiction. Uh, For myself, I've been in recovery for five years, Morgan's been in for three, and we use that as a way of connecting with students. So we're not telling them the deep dart dark scary secrets, Uh, they don't need to know that part, (laughs) but telling them what did it feel like to make those unhealthy choices? Um, What led to those decisions? Um, And kind of really focusing on those smaller consequences of use Uh, Sometimes we find, especially with the older students, they're really desensitized to the dramatized stories of addiction that we might see in movies, TV shows, where someone loses everything, loses their family. And we want to take it back to what did it feel like to make that first decision? What did it feel like to give in to peer pressure? And everything we talk about is developmentally appropriate. So for the fifth graders this week, I'm not talking to them about certain types of drugs we're focusing on. self-development peer pressure um, how to make healthy choices what are healthy behaviors all the way to ninth grade where we are starting to talk about what are some of those influences in your life and they're asking deeper different types of questions Uh, we travel all over the world doing this Um, i actually just spent some time in jordan and madrid or in spain Um, all over the world we go to europe we go to almost every single uh, continent at this point Mm -hmm. Uh, Many of those countries have younger drinking ages than the US and the conversation is still the same. Uh, What we consistently find over time is that no matter what the country, what the culture, what the dominant religion, the teenage brain is the same worldwide. Uh, The longer uh, we hold off uh, from putting alcohol, tobacco, other drugs into the teenage brain, uh, the lower the risk of developing addiction or other major problems. Um, And you all have a huge part, a huge role in that as parents. Uh, I'm sure this is pretty obvious to some of you, but just as a fantastic example, uh, Morgan and I were just talking about one of the most consistent questions we get, doesn't matter the country, every single country, every single grade I've ever been with in the past three years, a student will always ask, what did your parents think when you first started using? What did your mom say? How did they react? they might not always show it, but they're really listening to you, and they really care about what your opinions are. Uh, We also do our own type of survey uh, where we look at some students. um, uh, We haven't yet done this at uh, Foot School, but sometimes we'll ask students uh, to try to see what use trends look like, and we also look at what contributes to that decision to use a substance. And some schools elect to ask students, what are your main influences? Who helps you decide to make those choices? Number one is always myself. Uh, They tend to very value themselves and say, I am making all these decisions by myself. Uh, But number two, they always say, uh, my parents. My parents are a huge influence on whether or not I'm going to use substances. And so uh, the fact that you're here, uh, tell your kids that you're here today. Tell your kids if you're listening to this as a podcast um, that you are paying attention because they are listening to you and they are following uh, your example. So how we see prevention, um, you all as parents play a significant role, faculty, staff, administration, us as an outside organization coming in. Uh, Prevention isn't just us coming in for four days, talking to students a little bit, and then leaving. Uh, That's not the end of it. Um, It's how do we continue these conversations throughout the school year. Um, It's fantastic, and great prevention starts when a student is hearing the same message from every single piece of their life. And when they're consistently hearing, alcohol and other drug use is unhealthy. I do not approve of this. Uh, This is not healthy. This is not necessary. Uh, The phrase I use even starting in fifth grade is, all use equals risk. No matter what the substance is, a chemical does not belong in the developing teenage brain and body. The more they hear that over and over and over, the more it's going to stick for them. Uh, Sometimes you might, I don't don't know if they even know what records are anymore, but if you ever heard, like, Mom, you're a broken record. You said this before. You say this all the time that's great, you're doing a great job. They know exactly what your opinions on these topics are. Um, And the way we see prevention is uh, by reducing risks. First and foremost, we need to identify what are the unique risks in any given community. Uh, One of the risks that we're seeing in the US, and it's starting to become an international trend as well, um, e-cigarettes and vaping. Uh, I will address that, what these products are. If you're feeling uncertain about what they are, feel free to ask questions, Uh, you're not alone. (laughs) So we want to identify what are those unique risks. And in any community we go into, there are a variety of other risks. What are the unique risks at foot school? What are the unique risks that they're facing being in New England, being in the US, uh, being in this area of the world, uh, as a male, as a female? And so we want to see how can we reduce those risks. And we also want to intervene on unhealthy behaviors. First and foremost, we have to help them sometimes understand what are unhealthy behaviors around alcohol and other drug use. Um, So if you think back to the last comedy movie you saw you may have seen something like The Hangover or something that involves alcohol and other drug use and we consistently see publicized in the media, um, drinking to black out, drinking to get sick, that this is normal behavior. It's becoming socially acceptable. And we need to help help them identify that this is not healthy and this is not safe. Um, So intervening early on those behaviors, Uh, one of the things that Uh, foot school did do um, was give the students give the ninth graders note cards to write some of the questions they had prior to our visit and similar to other schools that we've been to I think it was like five out of sixteen of the questions were focused on how do I help someone I'm Mm -hmm. concerned about and I get this consistently at every single school every level and we will address that tomorrow on the final day we go over how do you have a conversation with someone you're concerned about Uh, this is not to say that those students are specifically concerned about other students in the school. Uh, it could be someone in a different school, it could be a family member. Um, but even at the fifth grade level, the fifth graders that I'm talking to, they have some concerns about people's health, whether it's related to alcohol and other drugs, and we want to support them uh, in that uh, concern, give them the language to use to address that. And lastly, we want to uh, nurture protections. So protections, opposite of risk factors, they're helping keep your kids safe you are a huge protective factor in the lives of your students. Uh, Research continues to show that uh, a student who has a parent um, or other trusted adult in their life is at a much lower risk of developing um, mental health issues and substance abuse issues. Uh, The protective factors they're also also equipped with, specifically at this school, this is a very cohesive community. And I'm really seeing that. This is actually my second time here. I was here two years ago. Uh, So some of the ninth graders remember me, which makes me feel cool. They're like, oh, yeah, you're the one with the coloring books. (laughs) Didn't have room for coloring books this year, but (laughs) they remember that. And so that's fantastic. And the fact that FCD is now an expected program and that it's talked about, uh, that the teachers know, and uh, when we have off time, we're sitting in the faculty lounge talking to teachers. The teachers know what our program is, the language that we're using. And you being here are also picking up that language and we can help support them in that, create a huge, large protective aspect in their lives. And just to reiterate for anyone who came in, if you have questions, feel free to stop me and ask in between, Um, sometimes by the end of the day I'm going very, very quickly, so (laughs) please stop me. Um, One of the main points that we do talk about (coughs) at any of the level 5th, 7th, or ninth grade is just the teenage brain. Uh, Some of you may know. Uh, Some of you have uh, some of the smaller kids in here. Their brains are very, very different than ours. Uh, They are totally focused on that instant gratification. Uh, And they want pleasure. They have a lot of this chemical dopamine, that feel-good chemical. And they're feeling it. And that's fantastic. That's great. Uh, One of the examples I like to use with uh, some of the older students is um, thinking about, when was the last time you had a friend of yours who had a crush on someone else? and I see their faces light up. They're like looking around, pointing at each other. Dopamine, just thinking about something that makes them feel good, it's being released in their brain. And then, if we on top of that tell them, do you remember the last time your friend had a crush on someone and that person smiled at them? How did your friend react? They're freaking out, right? They're texting their friends, oh my gosh, they they don't exist, right? This explosion of dopamine's going on in their brain. As adults right now, we still get that type of a response, dopamine still goes. If I see someone who looks good looking at me, like, oh, hey, right, but we're not experiencing the same burst of dopamine that they are. And that's great that they have that, but we want to be able to channel that into healthy behaviors. Um, When they express interest in playing a sport, you can see that they go all for it, passionately into that. Maybe their interests change uh, very quickly, uh, sometimes too quickly, but Uh, we can channel that. And so having that understanding uh, can help protect them because when we educate them about this idea of healthy natural highs, whether it's playing sports, whether it's um, with the younger kids, they love seeing pictures of my dog. My dog is world famous now because they love to see pictures. I show a picture of my dog, fifth graders are like, Ma, it's a dog. They're so excited. I actually had them demand to see my dog today. Uh, it's my background picture on the laptop, I promise. I'm not taking up a uh, precious class time just showing off my dog. Because they understand the point that when they see something that feels good, it releases chemicals in their brain, this natural feel-good chemical dopamine, and it strengthens the connections in their brain. The more they do something that feels good over and over and over, the stronger that connection is. And so the example I use with fifth graders is crossing my fingers and saying that the more I do something over and over and over, the more it builds this stronger connection, and as an adult, those connections are more solidly formed in my brain. And so that's something tangible that they can look at. Um, When we're talking, especially at the different levels, we want to have something very comprehensive that they can understand. Um, If anyone has a fifth grader, they might have told you about a story about me cooking brownies, uh, is another example that we talk about. Uh, So if you're cooking brownies, you imagine you accidentally spill a little too much salt into the mix and still bake it. You take a bite of that brownie and it's salty. You can't fix that brownie at that point. It's already baked in there. But you take, for example, a uh, pan of brownies that's already been baked, spill a little too much salt on top. Mostly you can brush it off, right? Maybe there's still a little bit left. Mm -hmm. The difference between the adult brain and the teenage brain when it comes to substance use I can see the realization on the fifth grader's face. Oh, the main point of our program is just give your brain a chance to fully develop before making that choice to use alcohol and other drugs. It impacts the brain more significantly the younger they are. The longer they wait, the lower their chance of developing addiction. A study indicated that of those who started drinking at age 15, 45% became addicted to alcohol. Of those who waited to 17, 25% became addicted to alcohol, and of those who waited to 20 or 21 to start drinking, 10% became addicted to alcohol. So every year they postpone use, their chances of addiction and other major problems goes way down. Another cornerstone of our program uh, is also just educating what actually is addiction. Uh, Sometimes we throw that word around, we hear, uh, I'm addicted to Starbucks, I'm addicted to their new drink, I'm addicted to yoga. Um, And so an example I've told uh, parents before, I once went to Telluride, Colorado and took my first hot yoga class. Uh, I can tell you I'm not addicted to hot yoga (laughs) because I took this hot yoga class, if you've never had hot yoga, they turn it up to like 90 degrees Fahrenheit, you're sweating, you can smell yourself, you're doing yoga and twisting in positions. I had a negative experience and I will never do that again. But when it came to alcohol and other drugs, I consistently had negative experiences over and over and over and over, but my brain kept going back to that thing. And so we really want to define for them what does this mean? It's that compulsion there. Addiction is a really hard disease to understand even for adults, and especially for teenagers to conceptualize that. And so we really want to break it down for them and help them understand what this means. We also focus on the social norms approach. Uh, the social norms approach. Uh, Some of you may be familiar, uh, may have heard the term, um, maybe heard it phrased somehow, uh, Mom, I really need the new iPhone for Christmas because everyone has one but me. Dad, I really need to go ice skating because all of my friends are going but me. If you're a teacher, you are the only teacher this weekend who's giving us homework. I can ask them, why are you phrasing it like that? They know it's putting pressure on you. So we know that when it comes to substance use, kids are really feeling that pressure. Uh, peer pressure, we've found that theres it's not just this external pressure of me going up to someone and saying, you need to drink or you're not going to be cool anymore, that kind of thing. It's more of this internalized pressure them thinking, everyone's doing it. I'm the only one not doing this. And so what we can do, especially starting at that young age, is help them educate how their thought patterns work. Um, if you hear your child saying something along the lines of, well, everyone, well, is it everyone? Okay, maybe it's not everyone, mom, it's like maybe like half of people. Is it actually like half of people, though? <laughs> like half, half people? Like more than half, less than half? Like, Okay, maybe it's like a quarter. Okay, you know what, I give up, mom. But <laughs> that's a prevention conversation in and of itself, whether it has to do with alcohol and other drugs or not. Uh, one of the main points that we keep coming up with is uh, the concept, not concept, uh, talking about vaporizers, uh, e cigarettes, jewels. These are all in the same vein. And so, uh, to do a little social experiment here uh, with the adults, you guys look terrible, don't look scared. <laughs> <almost>. <laughs> yeah. uh, what do you all think? So, uh, we have a survey that's been done since the 1970s called Monitoring the Future, uh, which has tracked student use trends of alcohol, tobacco, other drugs. Uh, we have not um, been tracking the trend for um, e-cigarette use until about, I think it was like four or five years ago, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we consistently see uh, different trends in student use. Uh, So I want to hear from the adults in the room. Uh, Feel free, administration, as well, to participate if you would like. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) uh, What percentage of 12th graders in 2018 used a vaporizer or an e-cigarette or a Juul in the last year? In the U.S.? In the U.S. Mm -hmm. Yep. 30%, 40%, 30, what did it say? 75. 75. Yeah. So when I asked students this, um, the answers that I got, uh, you can maybe share some of your answers. Uh, I got 70, 80, 90% uh, consistently, uh, especially with uh, the ninth graders. Well, everyone at high school is doing it. Everyone (coughs) I heard over here is doing it. Everyone in the public school is doing it. And so they consistently guess high. Um, did you do something like this with the seventh grade?
1: Um, with the seventh grade, yes. It was in a. It was a different data point. It was um, about alcohol use um, with twelfth graders. Just because, especially with seventh graders. So if you have a seventh grader, hi, uh, I might be the person they're talking about. Um, they just have this um, very um, overblown perception of what's happening, and um, it was all. I actually had a kid who in all seriousness said 100%. And so, but the rest of them were, I think the lowest number I got was 30, 30%, but everything else was 75, 60, 80, 68.3 was an exact. Yeah. <laughs> I had- So there's, there's
0: always one in the class that's like, so <laughs> very exact. But the, the main point about this is that there, there, that gap in perception of what the reality is, which the reality for this point, 21%. Uh, if you looked at the news this morning, you would not think that. Um, there was recently a story one of the faculty members pointed out to me on uh, NBC uh, about a student who was sent to a rehabilitation center uh, for juuling or using a brand of e-cigarettes. The student's guessing number is much, much higher. That's actually a risk factor for them. Um, so one thing we can do to help with that is help them understand, is everybody doing this? Especially those eighth graders or those ninth graders who are moving on to high school next year, is everyone doing it? And if you think back even to your own personal experience, uh, I can tell you when I was in high school, what I was listening to was the people talking about parties, this, that, and the other thing, because the teenage brain is hardwired, and not even just the teenage brain, uh, the adult brain too, we're hardwired to look out for danger. When we hear about something scandalous or dangerous, our brains are on high alert. When I was first hired by FCD, I was terrified of flying on planes, and that is all I do for my job. Probably about twice a week, I'm on a plane. <laughs> so I researched every single plane crash that has ever happened. There actually aren't that many. But when a plane crashes, how long do we talk about it? Right. And so, helping them to understand that, how their brains work, can really help them stay healthy. Really concerned, and the question, because I, I know I'm, being miked on this too, was about, uh, do we address the uh, accessibility of e-cigarettes and vaporizers, and um, so with e-cigarettes and vaporizers, they are something relatively new, they've only been around since uh, the early 2000s, and so the US government is almost playing catch up uh, with regulating these products. Technically, uh, the laws around them are the same laws around tobacco in every state, where you have to be at least 18 years of age to purchase it. Um, Where a lot of the access that we're seeing teenagers uh, get these products from are from online stores that have uh, very uh, ineffective, um, are you over 18, click yes, click no, Um, that kind of thing. Uh, We are seeing them being resold on sites like Amazon or eBay. Um, There is uh, a crackdown by the FDA where they are coming down harder on online suppliers and on brick and mortar retail stores. Uh, But we are still seeing this access happen. Um, And so what we're really educating the students with um, this week in particular with our program is uh, what are the risks associated with it? And also breaking down this false comparison we see them having uh, between cigarettes, which they've all grown up knowing the dangers of smoking cigarettes. We did a fantastic job in the U.S. of educating them about tobacco and all of its um, health risks associated with it. And even fifth, se- seventh, and ninth graders here, you ask them about cigarettes and they're like, oh, I don't know why anyone would do that. They can't comprehend that. But here's this brand new thing. It's it's fancy. It's clean. You can see some of these pictures here. Uh, some of the original products looked exactly like cigarettes. Um, some of them look like cigars. Some of them look like pipes. But the ones that are tend to be more popular with teenagers are the ones uh, that look like USB drives, the ones that are rainbow colored, the ones that don't look like something dangerous. And so part of our curriculum with the upper school and we're doing with the seventh and the ninth graders is teaching them about media literacy. Uh, So instead of just telling them just the health risks, also questioning them, uh, where is your money going? Uh, What is this supporting? Uh, When the, if anyone's ever seen those truth ads, the truth campaigns, uh, they measure Um, the effectiveness of some of their ads, and their most effective ad campaign was the ad campaign where they were asking teenagers, where is your money going? And so, kids actually don't like to be tricked. (laughs) So, when we present them information, some of my groups, I've shown them um, e-cigarette ads uh, and helping them learn media literacy. So, one thing we can do to even follow up with this, even if we're not talking specifically about substances like e-cigarettes, Just teaching the media literacy. What is that showing us? We see some of the uh, advertisements for e-cigarettes mimicking uh, some of the tactics used by alcohol advertisements. Uh, There was recently a big football game on. Uh, Apparently something happened with the Eagles. I don't (laughs) know, Uh, (laughs) whatever. Uh, But (laughs) anyway, uh, there's always uh, alcohol advertisements, right? And so they're using some of the same tactics. It's fun, it's cool, it's flashy. And so helping them understand, well, what is the reality of this? they're not gonna put the health risks on the TV. Uh, For some of the uh, classes today, I was even focusing on, uh, we show them how these products work. They're a small machine that heats up these liquid chemicals and these liquid chemicals include a lot of things that we actually find uh, in cigarettes. So this is a list compiled by uh, Stanford Medicine. Uh, A lot of these are uh, products that are uh, chemicals that we do already find in cigarettes and some of the students were shocked to see this list. Um, I pulled out for students today, uh, thank you, Morgan, uh, a granola bar um, and listed out, which the granola bar lists out all of the ingredients on it. Uh, some of the kids here, they've already told me they're very into organic or healthy eating, that kind of thing. They want to know what's in their products. Someone was telling me, uh, a parent was a lawyer who actually worked on this kind of stuff. They really value that knowledge of knowing what they're putting in their bodies. This These companies don't have to tell them what's in these products. Uh, If you are using a vape product, it it is not healthy and is not safe. And that's the exact language we use with them at any level. Uh, Many of these chemicals are also identified as harmful or potentially harmful by the FDA. Uh, There we go. Now it goes. (laughs) Uh, Did you want to add anything, Morgan? So some of the some of the harms we, we do talk about some of the health risks, risks of these products. Uh, a problem with e-cigarettes is that we don't have the same research uh, that we have on tobacco. Uh, tobacco, if some of you may remember, used to be able to smoke on airplanes, you used to be able to smoke in hospitals. When my mom was in high school, there was a smoking lounge for seniors <laughs> because we didn't know the full extent of the health effects. And so they were perfectly socially acceptable. As we learned those health risks, We cut back on um, access to these products. Uh, We cut back on spaces. You can't smoke in many, many places anymore, and you definitely can't smoke on airplanes. (laughs) We know that's not healthy. Um, But these same regulations are taking a while to come into effect. And so what we continue to do to support teenagers is just continuing to emphasize that just because we can't tell you definitively that this product causes cancer doesn't mean that it's safe. Um, So talking to them about that, that uh, all use equals risk, and that is a phrase that I repeat with all of my students. All use equals risk. It doesn't matter what the chemical is. Uh, when it comes to the fifth grade students, we are addressing too the difference between a drug and a medicine. Uh, some of them are on medications, and we've talked about how do you stay safe with those medicines. Um, if your parent is giving it to you, if the doctor is prescribed to you, how is that different from taking something from your friend? <laughs> And so at any level, we can really tailor the conversation to where they are. So uh, Morgan, did you want to mention just a couple of the things you're talking
1: about with the 7th graders? Sure, absolutely. So again, hi. If you have a 7th grader, um, I have had, I've met with them every single day so far this week. Uh, a lot of what we are discussing with the 7th graders, just to piggyback off of what Stacy was talking about, Um, A lot of this comes down to media literacy. We did spend a lot of time yesterday talking about nicotine addiction and e-cigarettes and vaporizers and a lot, even with alcohol and marijuana, which is now becoming a um, more commonly asked about topic, especially in this school, because from what I understand, the governor of the great state of Connecticut is trying is moving towards um, attempting to legalize marijuana here. So um, even your seventh graders are interested in that. And it all, a lot of it comes back to, we've been discussing emotional resiliency. What do you do when you're stressed? How do you, what do you do? Um, What do you do when you're happy, when you're feeling sad? How do you react to that? And um, I tell them what I did at their age, which, was not a healthy coping mechanism, and between emotional resilience, we talk about um, the media literacy a lot. Um, One of the reasons um, that I have found that parents might not feel as though they're as well informed about, especially when it comes to e-cigarettes and vaping, a lot of this content, the students, Kids are coming across it on social media platforms that you all might not use, or might use in a different way. And I've I've shown the classes that I've had in seventh grade what, especially with Juul, particular a specific brand of vaporizer e-cigarette, um, I show them I show them their ads. They used to have ads. Um, this brand specifically, um, in the last couple of months, has cut back on their marketing and advertising campaigns just because they've come up to a lot of, um, for, they've come across a lot of pushback from uh, parent organizations and other things like that. And they're brightly colored, they're flavored, um, because when I was addicted to nicotine there were two flavors, cigarettes, menthol, non-menthol, so mint or not mint, that's, <laughs> there you go. Um, and they, your seventh graders and your ninth graders, they already know, like, and I say, hey, tell me a flavor that you've heard about. Bubblegum, cotton candy. It's I get like 18 voices all at once, and they're able to tell me about it. And they've seen the content on Instagram, on Visco, Snapchat, some of these um, social media platforms that you all might not be as familiar with. So we just, I, media literacy, emotional resilience, and really identifying those protective factors, even if they don't know that specific term, like protective factors, even if they don't know what that is specifically, telling them what it is and just having them be able to identify what it is. Like, oh, I have a great group of friends. I eat dinner with my parents every night around a dinner table, Mm. that sort of a thing.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and that's a great point you bring up, but uh, spending time with your kids, we consistently see research um, that just eating dinner uh, with your kids whenever you can, and I totally understand. I was a kid who had many, many, after school activities, my mom <laughs> would be going through the McDonald's drive through like, quick, <laughs> we got to go to ballet. But even just having thing. whatever time you have with them, like making that time count uh, can really help protect them, not just from substance abuse, but from other mental health issues, other emotional issues. Uh, a lot of prevention is sometimes just recognizing what's already working in their lives mm-hmm. and just amping that up. Um, so they really look up to you and... One of the biggest things you can do as an adult in their lives, as a healthy adult in their lives, is just model healthy adult behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, one of my fifth graders asked me today, so, so wait, you don't actually drink alcohol, like at all, like no beer, no wine? And I was like, no, no, because we talked about what does being in addiction recovery mean? And that's not to say I'm not here to say that you need to stop drinking, you need to stop any of your activities, but helping them understand why is it okay for you, an adult, to do this, and why mm-hmm. is it not okay for them? Um, There's a big difference between you occasionally having a glass of wine to relax or at dinner or whatever versus coming home and saying, Oh, it was the most stressful day ever. I just need my glass of wine. That's sending a very specific message to them. Allow them to see you, just like Morgan was saying, allow them to see you dealing with stress as a healthy adult in a way that doesn't deal with substances. If you want wine every once in a while, go for it. You're an adult. That's, that's your prerogative, but allow them to see you. Sometimes when mommy's stressed, I go to yoga. Sometimes when I'm stressed out, I go for a run. Um, even inviting them to do those activities with you can be really helpful. And also just having conversations with them. This is a great day to go home and be like, hey, you know where I was today after school? <laughs> if you don't know how to start the conversation, be like, hey, I met those people. <laughs> this is what <laughs> we talked about. What did you think about that? And as they get older, allowing them to have that space to think. Uh, sometimes as ad- as adults, and even in my position as a prevention specialist, knowing this stuff, when I hear a student saying something wildly off the wall like, marijuana cures cancer, I want to step in immediately and be like, no, 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 <laughs> right? Uh, we have that correcting um, habit. But asking them instead, uh, holding off, what do you mean by that? Where did you hear that from? Uh, why would you think that? without judgment, allowing them to think through that, especially when you get to those older years, seventh, eighth, ninth, and above, um, giving them that space. Why are you thinking this way? One of of the key parts of what we look at is where are you getting your information from? Uh, So you can do a Google search of, is marijuana good for you? And you find 2,000 answers that say yes. Is marijuana bad for you? 2,000 answers that say no. And so helping them, even sitting down with them and saying, let's do some research together. Actually, I heard this thing on the news today. Do you wanna look into that? Mm -hmm. Um, If you're listening to a news station on the way into school and something comes in about this other country legalized marijuana, you would be turning and saying, well, what do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you think the effects are of that? Do you know what this means? And going and researching that or just having that conversation. Um, Also knowing what's going on, Um, not just In school, but uh, or not just when they're young, but also when they get older. We have this tendency when they're in elementary school to be immediately calling the parent Who's gonna be at that party? Did you know that Johnny is allergic to nuts? Did you know that like and what time are you gonna be there? Who's gonna be there? And as they get older we kind of slowly back off because we want to like develop that independence and we'll say Did you remember your keys? All right. uh, See you later But their brain is still developing and it is Always totally okay to still be that parent. You call another parent and say, hey, who's going to be at that party? Uh, My child is staying over at your house just so you know. I am not okay with my child consuming alcohol. Um, Social norms and that peer pressure, that idea of peer pressure doesn't end when we graduate high school. Um, If you are calling someone and you are known as that parent who calls and asks about it, there's an expectation then there. Maybe you'll get like that audible eye roll like, oh, not again. But you know what? You're protecting them. Uh, One of my colleagues has a fantastic uh, phrase to talk about. Uh, Sometimes there's this idea that we want to serve them alcohol at a young age so their brains can get used to it. Uh, Research shows that that doesn't work. Um, If that did work, we wouldn't be needed in European countries, and we cover a lot of European countries. Um, If you lock all the kids in the basement, give them alcohol, and take away their car keys, their car keys are safe. Cars aren't going to get damaged, Mm -hmm. but their brains are still being affected by that. And so we want to protect them and we can do that as a community. Um, I always love parent meetings when I see a couple people. If you don't know anyone here, these are people who share your same values. Um, Get to know other people. Uh, So at this school we do not meet with the faculty uh, as a whole. Uh, Morgan and I on our off time are talking to faculty Mm -hmm. in the faculty lounge. We've been coming to this school since uh, 2002. And so we have a relationship with the counselor as well. So if the teachers have questions, they can come up and ask. Um, but that's always like an option that we could expand on. Absolutely. Um, so I do want to be mindful of time. Uh, and I just want to just reemphasize that the fact that you're here, huge protective factor. Research shows that if uh, students know that you care and know what your take is on substance use, their chances of engaging in that behavior other negative consequences go way down hmm. and we also have a couple of fantastic resources like Morgan said uh, we are sometimes not on the social media platforms <laughs> they're on uh, they're not on Facebook anymore but we are, <laughs> we are. <Yes>. <laughs> so <laughs> you can find us on Facebook um, we also do uh, e-journals on trending topics that even if we're not at the school it's always free and accessible to any member of the community and webinars. We have a webinar coming up about e-cigarettes from the parent perspective, uh, what you can do. Uh, If you can't attend it as it's happening, we can always send you a recording of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You can contact us there. Uh, We are partnered with Stanford uh, Stanford Medicine, which created a fantastic resource that we do use in the classroom called the Stanford Tobacco Prevention Toolkit. Uh, you as a faculty member or a parent can go on and just pull off information. Um, It's fantastic, and we love it. Foot podcasts are a production of The Foot School, an independent school for grades K through 9 located in New Haven, Connecticut. Visit us online at footschool.org.